Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for checking back in. We're going to get right back into it. We've got at least three more parts to go. No time to waste. We're talking about judgment is coming, four exclamation points. And I don't mean that like these guys you flip through on YouTube that have, oh no, what I always like to say, who ate four burritos and then went to bed and had a dream where God told them a prophecy that you have to hear before you go to bed tonight because judgment is coming to those guys. That's that's part of the problem that we're trying to tackle here is that's how, always how these things are presented is judgment's coming, but not to you. And it gets everybody all excited because, man, we want God to bring the hammer down on everybody else and let us fly up to Beulah land. So we're tackling that in this part this first little piece and component of judgment is coming that we titled endure or escape. And we're asking the question, which are you postured to do? Which are you preparing to do right now, today, yesterday? What's your plan tomorrow for you, for your household, for your neighbors? Excuse me. Are you preparing for judgment to come while you're still here? We barely dipped our toe and kind of pushing the uh, rapturitis doctrine right out the door, escapism-driven thinking, and bringing it, uh, calling it to question. Um, is that a biblical pattern? We could spend multiple episodes only talking about that, but I don't want to make this about pro or, or against rapture. I, that's not the point of this at all. Again, this is a groundwork that will make sense here as we move along, so let's keep doing so. Um, what I did mention at the very end of the first part is, one cannot, right, one cannot rightly face what is ahead if you have absolutely no expectation to be any part of it. And we, we gave the, the spontaneous analogy that, like, if you live in, in what I say, North Dakota, if you live in North Dakota, you don't have um, a hurricane evacuation plan. And if you live in South Florida, you don't have ski boots and snowboards. Like, you, you live, all of us live within the, a, a, a structure of expectation. We prepare for what we expect to be a part of. And so therefore, if you expect only to escape, yet judgment comes and you're still here, friend, you're going to be like the warning that we see Messiah deliver about the days of Noah, the connection there. It's going to be the same when the Son of Man returns. And he said, what happened? What was the main thing going on? They did not understand or perceive until the flood came and took them all away. They were literally, by their actions, deemed unprepared to endure. They did not do what was required as a lawless people who were mixed, and they were swept away. And as we talked about, they, the evil men, the unrighteous men, were removed and the righteous remained in the land. So continuing that theme, I would suggest that the simple key for what we now must tend to is found in the account of Noah. And we're going to begin to move into more text in, in uh, Genesis 7 and 8. We're really going to get into 8 in the next part. Um, but let's just read verses 1 and 5 in Genesis chapter 7. Yahweh says to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household. For you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this generation. So Noah acted in verse 5 in accordance with everything that Yahweh had commanded him. Something very important from the very outset that we have got to understand. Very simple principles are often overlooked in our Christian living. 
if we come out of just generic Christian living, we have to really question these things of like, okay, we're told to do X, but what does that mean? Or how do we do that? A lot of times those blanks were never filled in for us. We're just told to be like, for an example, be like Jesus, but we're never told, well, how do I do that? How, how did Jesus really live? I mean, like really live. Um, we have to answer these questions. And so in this, we see in Genesis 7, verses 1 and 5, Go into the ark. You are the only one righteous, Noah, in this whole generation. That's a that's a pretty weighty burden to bear. I'm pretty sure Noah didn't walk around. Yeah, I'm the only one. I'm the only righteous man around here, you know. No. Enter the ark. You are the only righteous man before me in your generation. Verse 5, Noah acted in accordance with everything that Yahweh had commanded him. Put a little notation by the word acted, okay? this We're going to build on some principles here as we go. Now, acted, okay? Contrary to poor biblical commentary and teaching, one must do something to be found righteous. A man of faith is proven by his works, okay? Righteous deeds, doing something. Righteousness is the fruit of one who lives a life dedicated to Yahweh, now walking where we are today in the path of Yeshua. We can look back to the, the, the fully God, fully man, man, who demonstrated a, 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 a will that was surrendered in servanthood, the suffering servant life. We can look back and we see the demonstration behind us. Of one who what became the firstborn of many brethren. We have we have been given a pattern. That's part of the Hebrews verbiage of the greater covenant, the greater position, the greater this and that. Yes, we can look back. Now we have historical evidence of of the promises coming to pass in a human being to please Yahweh perfectly, which no man before him had ever chose to do. Yeah, big deal. Yes. But righteousness is the fruit of one who lives a life dedicated to Yahweh. To say the Messiah was just inherently righteous is really a silly proposal, biblically speaking. Um, and it's equally incorrect, I would say, in regards to righteous men like Noah that went before us. What am I saying? To say, whether we say it directly or whether we say it just in our doctrinal upbringing and just kind of how we speak but don't really understand what we mean, to say that men like Abraham, Moses, and Noah only lived out lives of filthy rags works is a ludicrous phrase, okay? And it's very uh, arrogant of us uh, not to mention. For us, again, because a lot of times our, our, our new religion, Jesus, Christian doctrine may not say this directly, but it insinuates via misunderstandings of things like the filthy rags phrase and, and, and this misunderstanding of works and how they don't matter and they don't mean anything and it's, it's not for us today, we are saying that men like Abraham, Moses, and Noah had lives filled with filthy rag works. And, and friends, that's, that's really, that's an awful thing for us to say, whether directly or indirectly, I would say. Righteous men live lives of righteous deeds. Abraham and Isaac, we talked about that in a few series back, maybe three months ago. <laughs> Abraham could have believed. He could have been a man of faith. He was a man of faith, right? Faith, 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 faith. Yes. He could have believed and had faith 
that Yahweh would deliver his son. It's, it's all a heart. It's a matter of the heart. It's only about your heart. Okay? How would we have ever known that Abraham was a man of faith if he didn't walk out and lift that knife and put it almost to the chest of his son? Well, those works don't matter. Filthy rags. Man, that act of, of Abraham. Filthy rags. What was, he, what was he thinking? No way, no how. What an admirable, honorable act, deed, a righteous deed that evidenced his faith. It, it proved that he was a man of faith, right? This is very simple, but often overlooked, I would say. So these men, they had lives of works, righteous deeds. And to use the Hebrew words correctly, Noah did every necessary work that was required, okay? Noah acted in accordance with everything that Yahweh had commanded him. Okay, this is very Yeshua-esque. Okay, this is very Messiah-esque. Let me ask a very simple question that um, I believe is, is many times overthought. We just make too much of this and then miss the whole point. Before we move on to our next point, let's establish this one. Yes, Noah was a man of great faith. But would his faith alone have saved him, his family, and the animals? What do you think? If this is all about faith, if you just believe, and we're going to get to all these verses we quote, just believe, Ephesians 2.8, right? It's by grace you've been saved. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's grace and faith. Works, works, works. No, no, no. Don't be a work, a worker. <laughs> That's what Jesus condemned, right? No, no, he didn't. We've misunderstood that. So the question is, were Noah's works done in obedience, righteousness, or excuse me, okay, were his works done in obedient righteousness, filthy rags? Was Noah's literal works that he acted in accordance with to, that Yahweh had commanded him to do, were those filthy rags? Could they have been delivered, his family, himself, all of the animals, if he had only just believed? Would the grace of God just have been poured out to him and the ark just formed itself? And all the animals jumped on board and his family just appeared on there? Or did Noah have to do something to bring the act about? Did his work, that was the fruit of his faith, literally cause him to build an ark of safety that was used by Yahweh to bring him deliverance? Yes, absolutely, all day long. So as I said, many people will want to run to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, with fingers pointing at it. See, you see it right here. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. Okay, well, not so fast, okay? We have to keep reading two verses down. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for what? For what? What are we created in Messiah Yeshua for? For good works, which Elohim prepared beforehand. Why, friend, why? So that we can walk in them. You know what that is? Be occupied with. Connection? Noah was occupied with everything that Yahweh had commanded him. He put his faith 
and the grace of Yahweh mixed together into an action which produced righteous deeds, which literally brought about a vehicle that was salvation to the entire human race, and not to mention the animal kingdom as well. All of creation was delivered, saved, rescued, preserved through the ark of safety that Noah built because he chose righteous deeds and to be occupied with them. So the fruit of his righteousness that, became, that he became occupied with literally brought about his own salvation and deliverance. Again, faith must look like something. It must be proven. Noah was occupied with all that Yahweh commanded, friend. Are we? Are we so equally occupied with Yahweh's business? As we consider, you know what? We know judgment is coming. We know it's coming. We've been told. Remember, faith is what? It is a substance. This is a substance, friend. This is not faith. That's not faith. <laughs> this is faith, friend. It is a tangible substance. And how does it become a tangible substance? Righteous deeds. Like Noah, and like the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. And most men, most men, in this case, the entire earth but Noah. What was the word? They did not understand. They did not understand until the flood came and took them away. Friend, I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be me. That's why I'm doing this. I don't want that to be you, friend. I don't want people I love to be swept away in the floodwaters because all they did for their whole life is say, stop telling me about that stuff. Stop getting so worked up, Joel. I'm in God, you know. I love God. I accepted Jesus into my heart, you know, back in 1978. Friends, we have to be ready to endure. And then move into how do we endure well? We're not even going to have time to touch on that. Endure or escape. We have been taught that we must choose in this age of belief that we live in now, you choose faith and grace or works. You have to choose. I've been told that word for word. You can choose works. Good luck with that. You can choose that. I'm going to rest in the grace and faith. We've been told we have to choose and that somehow they don't go together. The scriptural pattern is that they are synonymous together. They, they are working together to accomplish the work of, of the Father in our lives. Now, James knew this, okay? We know these verses, but let's read them in their proper context according to what I'm presenting for consideration. He taught this in chapter 2, uh, verse 24 says, You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. For just as the body with the Spirit is dead, so also faith without works is... Fill in the blank, friend. You know these verses. It's dead. It's dead. Now, this is for an entirely different episode that I started months ago and I never finished. But you do realize that we can possess dead faith, right? This, this, this is a few more floors down. 
I don't want to possess dead faith. There's no purpose in having faith if it's dead faith. What does that mean? In, in the Greek, it's this word uh, nekros. Nekros, you know, dead. <laughs> it's of no use. It has no purpose. There's no reason to have faith if it's not alive and producing something. Righteous deeds, like Abraham, like Noah. Verse 24 of chapter 2 um, now, well, 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Let's be sure. Let's be sure in our own lives, friend, that we don't merely hear and believe the word in faith and receive it in faith and then do nothing with it. <laughs> and then don't do anything with what we've been told. These people <coughs> that were in Noah's day, they were told by Noah over this most it's probably over a hundred years he's building this ark he's laboring every day they had the opportunity to understand perceive even if they had a faith to believe it's true we have we have evidence scripturally speaking clear none of them believed to the point of having faith that produced righteous deeds righteousness that would have deemed them preservable even if they believed. I don't know if they believed or not. Nobody else made it. <laughs> but if they believed at all, perhaps they had dead faith. Any one of us can possess dead faith. It is not enough to just merely believe. Lifeless faith. Let's not have that, friend, moving into this judgment hour that we're coming to. Works here are very simply defined in the Bible according to the word, acts and deeds that one is occupied with. Sound familiar? You see how this is redundant? The biblical patterns are clear, friend, when we sit down and we study them unbiased. And we don't want escapism. We don't have, well, I have to find, I've got to find verses that prove that I'm out of here. I can't be here. I can't be here for judgment. Uh, uh, God has not appointed us to wrath. Okay, close the Bible. Hurry. Hurry, it said that. You saw that? We do that to justify our own positions and our own heart's desires. But friends, that will not be enough. That won't be enough when the floodwaters come. That won't be enough. To be clear, there's no more floodwaters coming. Yahweh promised in his covenant he will not again flood the earth to the capacity that he did in Noah's day. Yes and amen. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. But works are acts and deeds that one is occupied with. Like Noah. Noah was occupied with what Yahweh had commanded. It says that word for word in the scriptures. So let us be sure that we do not merely hear and believe the word and then do nothing with it, but rather we hear it and we move. We prepare. Okay? We prepare to what? To endure and to endure well. Just as Noah did. We prepare, we build, we work. We labor, friend. So what we talked about a little bit ago about how we're to become righteous men that catch the eyes of Yahweh, because that's what happened with Noah. We, we are told in other places in the Scripture that Yahweh's eyes roam about the earth to and fro, looking for men whose hearts are towards him. Well, he did that in Noah's age. Who knows how long he had to look, friend. Praise the Father he found one righteous man. So again... So, okay, give me this scenario and we'll, we'll wrap up part one. Well, this is part two, but the first part, endure or escape. 
So let's just imagine this scenario. Yahweh Elohim is seated in the highest heaven, enthroned above every other Elohim. There's none beside him. He's overlooking the depravity of man. There is a mixing. The Nephilim have been on the earth. They're, they're intermingling with women. There is a new race, offspring uh, of these hybrid individuals. Whether you like it or not, it doesn't much matter. The Bible's very clear. They're mixed. They're becoming, they're becoming Elohim-ish. And they're rebellious and lawless. And they hate the ways of the Father. And he looks down and he sees the depravity. It says what? In that age that men's hearts were evil continually. They were fascinated, captivated. Here, let's use the word correctly and appropriately apply what we're studying today into this point right here. Men's hearts were occupied with evil. They were not occupied with righteous deeds. They were lawless, self-exalting people who went their own way above the law of Elohim. And so his eyes, Yahweh's eyes, are looking about the whole earth, the dry land, looking for a righteous man. Friend, how long did he have to look? We're not told specifically. We could go through some genealogy type stuff to roughly establish how many people were on the earth at the time of the flood. That's unnecessary. He's looking throughout all of humanity. I wonder how long it took him before his eyes fell upon Noah the one righteous man. That's a weighty thing to think about. Why? Bring it to modern day. What about us? What about us? I want to be that man. I want to be that guy. I want to be Noah. I want to be a man who is righteous, performing righteous deeds to the best of my ability, saying, Yahweh, I want to do all that you've commanded. I want to be understanding. I want to be perceiving the age that I live in. I want to know and discern what the Spirit's saying. And I want to see what the other spirits are saying that may sound like your spirit, but they're not because it's not confirmed in your word. I have to know. Why do I have to know? Let's go back to the beginning. It is with great difficulty that the righteous will be saved. Do you understand that, friend? It's difficult for the righteous to be saved. We're going to really hit that as we look at part the second part of this, waiting out the floodwaters. We need to be righteous men to catch the eyes of Yahweh like Noah did. We've hopefully established now in this first beginning part of this series that now we'll move into another section, and we're going to more deeply examine the flood event as we talk about what? Friend, judgment is coming. It's coming. It is a promised, prophesied event. It's coming. And you've got to solidify. Are you postured to endure or merely escape? And as I already made that point, if you're escapism-driven, you don't go there because you're out of here. Friend, I'm just going to tell you in humility, according to the word, are you sure? And what do you have in place in your life in case you're wrong? And you're found like those ones in Noah's day who didn't understand until the flooding waters of judgment came. It was too late for them. I don't want it to be too late for you. I don't want it to be too late for me. 
It's all yet to be determined. So let's be like Noah, righteous works, doing all that Yahweh commands. As we talk about what? Judgment is coming. You're watching the Pat Design Podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. Come back for the next part of this series right after this. Amen.